Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the podcast. And the subject of this podcast is going to be, it's up to you to set the record straight. It's up to you to set the record straight. And what I mean by that is, it's your job to correct the record. It's your job to manage your own legacy, your own image, your own... uh, whatever you want to call it because if you don't do it nobody will and what prompted me to talk about this subject was i had just finished or i have just finished a very good biography of the baseball player ty cobb a man who in many ways inspired me when i was a kid growing up in some ways and i'm talking specifically about the biography written by Charles Learson, L-E-E-H-R-S-E-N, I think is is how it's spelled. And it's called Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty. A Terrible Beauty. And you can find that in all the major book distributors. It's a very famous book. It came out in 2015. Anyway, I listened to it on audiobook, and it uh, it was very, very good on, on many different levels, and I learned a lot. I learned a great deal from it. Not so much just about baseball, because this, this is that's what's good about biographies. If you read the right biography that's written well and conveys its subject in a good way, you will learn things not just about that specific subject matter, but about life in general. And for those who don't know, Ty Cobb uh, is considered, or some consider, him to be possibly the greatest baseball player who ever lived. Uh, that that uh, ranking obviously is disputed by many, but he, he, he held a great many records. And he played baseball during the dead ball era, mostly. And I think his career was from 1908 to the mid-20s. I think he played ball for 24 years. So... I think I think his years would be from um, you know from from 1908 until until the earlier mid 1920s. In any case, um, this was a guy who uh, was a very very well known player in his in his era. He was renowned for stealing bases, for base running, for batting, for playing baseball in a very tactical and strategic way. This was before the era of the big home run, before the Babe Ruth era, where the game changed. See, that's the thing about thing about what I learned about baseball. The game changed a lot over the years, during the dead ball era, during the era when the, the baseball itself was not as tightly wound or as springy. The, the object of the game was much different than what it is now. The object was to get on base and to run the bases, to try to steal bases, to get, to rack up runs, and to just to get hits because uh, it, it wasn't as easy to hit, a, to hit a home run back in that era than it is now, arguably, okay? Just because the ball was not as bouncy. It was not, it did not have the rubber and cork core that it, it later did have. But in any case, Ty Cobb would in many ways revolutionized the game. He came, he came from nowhere. He came from a... Um, rural background in Georgia, and he had a very, a very uh, 
pronounced talent for baseball. And he played the game in a very serious way. He was not like a lot of his uh, fellow players in that era. He was not a roughneck or a, or a, um, you know, a thug. He he was actually someone who was a professional. He studied, he did his research. He was all business. All right. Now he was he was also very aggressive and he was also pugnacious. And that quality got him into got him into trouble occasionally. He got into fistfights with people, with both uh, ball players and with, uh, there were a few examples of, of fistfights with, with the general public. But what's, what's important is, uh, f- for the purposes of this podcast, is since he died in 1961, there's been this general consensus that he was some sort of ghoul, some absolute monster that he was a, uh, a a violent and venomous racist, that he was a cheapskate, that everybody hated him, that even that he murdered people, that he spiked other players deliberately, that he sharpened his spikes, all, all of these legends and myths. And most of this stuff can be traced back to a now discredited biography, quote-unquote, or autobiography, written by Al Stump, uh, a sports journalist named Al Stump, right before Cobb died. And Cobb hired this guy to write, to to collaborate with him on his autobiography. And the guy just completely, uh, I mean, I don't don't even, it's it's, it's hard even to to understand the scope of the deception. And the guy outright lied about almost everything. He invented conversations, he invented statements, he invented incidents, he didn't check things. And we're not ta- just talking about mistakes of omission or or details. I mean, he literally fabricated entire uh, scenes and incidents out of, out of whole cloth. And Stump had had a reputation for doing this, but back in that era, the rules, I think, were not as stringent as they are now for journalists, and he was able to get away with it. And when Cobb saw the proof of the book, he tried to stop publication, but he didn't do as good enough a job of it. And the book was published. And for whatever reason, Cobb's heirs, his uh, sons, daughters, never stepped in to correct any of these misunderstandings or impressions. And the lies just stood. They just stood out there. For, for decades. And only now are we really beginning to understand just the level of the lies. This, this book by Learson is very good because it starts right at the beginning and it goes through the man's entire life and it shows just what I think reasonable diligence would have shown, which is that although this guy certainly was no angel, you know, in other words, he was a pugnacious guy, he, he was a complicated individual, he had his issues. But he was not some sort of venomous, violent racist or murderer or sharp uh, spike sharpener or he played that he played dirty or any, any of this other stuff. These are all total lies. And, you know, it, it really it really struck me just reading this book and, and reading just. And, oh, by the way, Stump, not, not only did Stump lie about Cobb in, in conversations, but he, according to Learson, he even went so far as to forge letters in Cobb's name. He would, Cobb wrote with a trademark green ink, 
and I guess what he did, he typed uh, stump. Once the the market for baseball memorabilia took off in the 70s, I guess he realized that money could be made. So he he he'd, he had had in his possession some odds and ends, some trinkets from Cobb, and he just forged letters apparently and tried to sell them, pass them off as genuine, which is a felony. I mean, forgery is actual a felony. So you, this guy is not just a, a fabulist. He was a, literally a criminal. And you say to yourself as you're, as you're hearing all this, why in the hell did Cobb ever hire a guy like this to write his autobiography? Why would he, be, why would he have done this? And I think the answer is he didn't know. I don't think he had, he just didn't have the sophistication or he didn't have the understanding to, un, to, to comprehend the level of malice that a lot of these journalists really have. Again, they, they want the dramatic story. The, the truth doesn't matter. It's what sells, what can cause controversy, controversy what can gin up interest. And apparently he thought that people loved a bad guy story, even if it was a lie. So, you know, I could spend hours talking about Cobb, uh, but I don't think that's really the subject of this podcast. The podcast, the subject that we're really here to talk about is it's your job to set the record straight. The one thing I learned, one of the things I learned from this book is if you don't take charge of your own destiny, if you don't take charge of your own legacy, your own reputation, your own interests, no one is going to do it for you. If the greatest baseball player in the world could not manage his own image through his own, I think, in many ways, his negligence, then the lesson is is hammered home that much more to the rest of us. And looking back, you know, after reading this book, I think I think the reasons or, or the, the the contributory factors that enabled this all these false myths to get started about Cobb really were, were several. For the first what the first thing was, I think in some ways he contributed to it by not correcting them with enough stridency during his lifetime. For tactical reasons, Cobb was a chess player, and he liked while he was playing baseball, he liked his opponents to think that he was crazy, even though he was not. He it served his interests. It suited his interests for them to think that he was a maniac and a wild man, and that he might do something. Because that was part of his psychological warfare games, and that's all fine. That's well and good. That's all well and good. That's fine as long as you're playing baseball. But when you retire, that's the time to curate your image and to make sure that lies are addressed and responded to. And he, he sort of did it, but he didn't do it. I think with enough intensity. And this was maybe before the the, the real age of the mass media. But he still could have done more. He still could have done more. I think the second mistake that Cobb made was he did not really stay in touch with the sport. Once he retired in the 20s, he kind of drifted off, and he didn't really have much to do with himself. He didn't, he didn't really know what to do. He spent his time playing golf, hunting, uh, managing his investments, uh, dealing with his family. Uh, he had a number of children. And he kind of just slipped into the role of the old codger, who liked to just lecture reporters on how the game has uh, declined since he retired and nothing as good as it was when he was playing. And 
you know, we've all heard this type of, of, of individual, and that's fine. To some extent, everybody respects the old-time guy. Everyone expects the old-time guys to be like that, but he did not... Let's let's put it this way. Unlike a lot of the modern stars, he did not really transition into sort of an advisory position or a consultant or anything like that that could have kept his name around and could have helped him keep his finger on the pulse of what was going on. And the third thing is he did not hire, he, he did not spend enough time or attention to managing his legacy. You know, when you're the, at that time when he retired, he certainly, statistics-wise, he was the greatest player who had ever played. And he should, at the very minimum, have worked with someone who could help write a legitimate biography or autobiography of him. He should have picked this person. He should have met with them. He should have interviewed them. He should have consulted with them. He should have put a little bit more effort into managing his, uh, his image. You know, now nowadays, you know, hell, he, he, he probably would have set up a library for, for himself, you know. But in those days, that, that, that type of thing really wasn't done, and I get that. So maybe not all of that can be put at Cobb's feet. But it's just hard for me to, to it's hard to believe that he could not have found someone better than Al Stump to write his memoirs when he really came around to doing that. He should have spent some money. He should have hired someone, not someone his publisher told him to use. That was the problem. He used someone that his publisher had recommended. And this guy was just, was all, even before he wrote it, he, he, he was known for being a fabulist. He was known for having a problem with the truth, for just inventing stories. So the guy was just a, a complete and utter scumbag. It's just unbelievable. And, um, for all these accumulation of reasons, a perception was created that just snowballed over and over and over. And even, even after, after you know, once once the once the Cobb saw the proof, the manuscript of the book, he he tried to he sent off a letter to the publisher trying to stop publication. But that's all he did. He did not instruct his uh, his executor to take legal action. None of his family did anything to correct this absolutely false image of him, and it's just a real tragedy because it lets me real. It makes me realize, boy, if this happened to this guy just in just in his lifetime, imagine all these historical figures that we read about that we're told were bad guys and evil guys, and imagine just imagine just how how. Um, how easy it is for the historical record to be gerrymandered like that. So, uh, so that's that's the lesson learned. That's really what what one of the big things I took away from this book is learn from learn from the example of Ty Cobb. Learn from that example. Read about what happened to him. Learn from that example, and you should really understand that. In today's world, in this world of social media and the news and everything, if someone lies about you or spreads malicious stories or whatever, or if you're at work, if you have a problem at work and someone accuses you of something or whatever, in any in any venue or situation, it's your job. It's your job to correct the record. It's your job to make sure the truth gets out because no one else cares except you. And if you just sit there with your 
you're uh, sitting on your hands and not doing anything, then you're going to suffer the consequences. Because you know that once the once Stump's biography was published in the, in '61, the people that tried to come to Cobb's defense when he was dead didn't even do a good job of it. They the, instead of attacking Stump's stories directly and pointing out that they were based on absolutely nothing, they were all they weren't even researched. They were just they were just complete uh, inventions. They tried to base their defense on well, let's not speak let's not speak ill of the dead. It's bad to say it, it's uh, it's not good to to, to uh, say bad things about uh, deceased people. Well, that's not effective. That's stupid because that's almost making it look like it's that that the stories are true, but they just they're objecting to the way that you're talking about them. No, this, it wasn't that. It was that the stories themselves were false. They were false. And so that's really why I wanted to do a, a, a podcast about this subject, because it, it really hammered home the importance in today's world of managing. You've got to make sure that you're responsible for your own, your own, um, for your own narrative. If you want to have a narrative, it's your job to put your narrative out there. Okay, so there's no excuse for not doing that. No excuse at all. And it's just frightening to see that someone with his ability can just be maligned like that. And, you know, this movie, this 1994 movie called Cobb with Tommy Lee Jones, which I remember seeing, it was absolute, absolute trash, absolute nonsense, complete fantasy from start to finish. And the movie bombed. It stunk. But the very fact that this could even be made with a straight face says a lot about how the persistence of malicious lies can happen. So I think it's something that we should reflect on. It's something we should really reflect on. All right. That will wrap things up here. And I hope you've, uh, you've heard me on this. And until next time, I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.